0: Cryptocurrent. I'm Stephen Miller and you're watching Cryptocurrent Live, the show where we bring you the weekly update in what's going on in the cryptoverse. I, of course, am joined as always by my co-host, Richard Carthon. Richard, how are we doing?
1: Doing good. It's a new year, a lot of opportunity out in the space and
0: I'm excited to get after it. For sure. Guys, we have a lot of news ahead. Of course, we've been on break since just before Christmas. We had our holiday special here. We took you through not only the latest and greatest in the Cryptoverse, but we actually laid out for you the Cryptocurrent Live Awards, our very first time doing that. So if you want to hear more about those awards, please take a look at our stream highlights we haven't posted on the channel, as well as the fact that we also have our 12 bold predictions for 2022 in that stream. A lot to cover today, Rich. Market is starting to go even more sideways than it was before. (laughs) It's almost like you couldn't have pictured this happening. Uh, But... Alas, NFTs are starting to pick up. So what are you thinking about the market at large right now?
1: You know, I made a bold prediction that we could see some uh, some pain before we see some light at the end of the tunnel. Looks like the pain is on the way, but we, we'll, we'll see. Um, like you said, a lot of sideways movement, a lot of potential downward. I think that... In the next two weeks, we're going to have a really good indicator of where people tax harvesting or is this market truly at the end of its cycle?
0: Yeah. Well, look, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but we got a lot to cover in the show. Tax loss harvesting being one of those points. But I do want to make sure I make mention to those of you that may have made a New Year's resolution to come and join us here at Cryptocurrent this year and learn a little bit more about cryptocurrency please do us a favor. Make sure you're subscribed, following us on social media. You've got all of our handles up above if you're watching us on YouTube. But if you're being so gracious to listen to us on any podcast platform of your choosing, please know that we do also have a YouTube channel where we like to put out content on a daily basis. Um, We would love it if you would subscribe, leave us a comment below, like the video, like the videos, who knows. But we at any length love and appreciate your participation here. So... Why don't we go ahead and open up what we got on deck for today's episode? Of course, we're talking about how to make the most profits you possibly can in the new year, but we're also going to be sharing at the end of this episode our top picks for January. So please grab popcorn, grab yourself a happy hour beverage, stick around because you won't want to miss that. But let's jump into how we start every single show here with a little bit of Buy, seller huddle. buy, Buy, Sell. So, on every cryptocurrent live, as I like to tell you, we bring you the latest and greatest in the cryptoverse. And this week in our buy seller huddle segment, that does not change. We are talking first and foremost about Big Daddy Bitcoin being primed for takeoff. Now, it's my opinion that Bitcoin is in fact primed for takeoff. But Richard, you seem to have a little bit more of a pessimistic take on Bitcoin and the markets right now. Um, so, I want to ask you before we dive into this. Do you really think that it's going to go sideways for, you know, much longer or are we going to start seeing moves?
1: I think, I think this month is going to be crucial. I think in the next two weeks, um, as we truly get past like the halfway mark of this month, um, if Bitcoin is kind of staying flatline, stationary, not really going up, I think we can see it turn down. Um, if we start to see it get back above the threshold around 50K, they can pick a little bit more steam and, and close above that around the halfway mark. I think we start to see another push up. But right now I, I again, not trying to be too pessimistic here, but uh, looks like it might be a little tough to start off the year.
0: Well, look, there's only one way to really understand where we're headed and we're going to get into that in our next segment. But for right now, let's talk about what you've missed in the last two weeks since we've been off. so, First and foremost, before New Year's Eve, Michael Saylor actually bought 1,914 more Bitcoin. Um, So MicroStrategy is still stacking. To me, that bodes as a very big positive um, for Bitcoin at large and the crypto markets at large. Granted, he is dollar cost averaging. So got to respect that. Uh, But on top of that, just yesterday, Bitcoin... Bitcoin became a man in the Jewish faith. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I call it the Bitcoin bar mitzvah because Bitcoin is officially 13 years old as of yesterday. But this one is the one that I really want to chat with you about. And that is El Salvador's president, Nayib Bukele, is betting big on Bitcoin in the new year. Not only is he saying that it's going to surpass 100K, but he's also saying that he predicts two more countries are going to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. What do you say to that? Um, I buy
1: the two countries will adopt BTC as legal tender. Um, I also buy that Bitcoin will surpass 100k in 2022, and the reason I say that is I don't necessarily think it's going to happen in the next couple months. I think we're still going to see that that bearish momentum and and have it kind of sustained. But like I think once we start to get on the next bull cycle, which I think is we're looking at Q3, Q4, um, end of Q3, heading into Q4, um as we start picking this back up and it's ramping up towards the end of the year and again going back to those those tax hacks that are probably coming in the US and people start hedging uh the dollar to bitcoin i could see it going past 100,000 so uh i know some people see it happening a lot sooner than that that's kind of my pick on it i see it happening later in the year but like i think both of these statements are true just the timeline of when it happens who 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 knows but um i'm
0: i'm buying both of these yeah i'm starting to more and more into the microcycle theory, um, so to me, I don't necessarily see it hitting 100K very, very quickly here. I think it's going to start to see a slower grind up towards, you know, the all-time high that we currently have, and then see it go beyond that, probably closer towards mid-year. But then again, that also may fight with um, some of my predictions that I made in our New Year's video. <laughs> so we'll see how uh, right or wrong I am on which side of the coin, but. In any event, let's move on to our next story for Buy Hoddle. And that, of course, is our non fungible news segment. So, Rich, this is probably the coolest thing to me because right around New Year's, we saw three massive Board Ape purchases. And they're all from big, big stars. So, Eminem bought a Board Ape, Britney Spears bought a Board Ape, Meek Mill apparently out of prison now, wasn't aware, bought a Board Ape. And if you're looking on screen with us here, These are all massive numbers. Okay. So Eminem bought his for about 462K. Britney Spears bought hers for 260. And Meek Mill bought his for 241. Now, what's funny about this, and I can't bring them up on screen right now, but take the time to go look at this. These are perfect representations of them. Um, (laughs) The board apes that they bought were like their actual avatars. So, like, I'm not necessarily thinking right now that this is a short term investment on their part. So, if you want a vote of confidence in the NFT world and in the Board Ape community, to me, that's a really big kicker. Um, yeah. What do you make of it all, though? Do you think that this is just the start still, or are we starting to near the top?
1: No, nah, man. It's again, this is the blueprint for what you would want an NFT project to be like. Like the fact that the Board 8 Yacht Club, if you own one, you could have went to an exclusive party in New York City last year and like imagine walking in there and you see Eminem, Britney Spears and Meek Mill and if you were one of the early people that minted this thing for a couple hundred dollars you now have exclusive access to a-list people that like crypto so awesome and but again going up to overall where we are in the market cycle you know especially having a, after a conversation i had earlier today with with Coinbase releasing their nft platform and like come around february man this 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 market's about to explode because now you have a lot of people that can easily onboard into this space, man. And it, like, you want to talk about a wave? I don't know about what's going on with with Bitcoin and the rest of the crypto market, and let's say the short term. But what I am bullish on is NFTs.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm more convinced than ever that NFTs are the future of this market. We'll get into that a little bit more in a few. But with all of this that's happening, I think that you're just going to see more and more of it. It's, it's hard to imagine otherwise. I mean, you have these other three stories that are popping up now with Square Enix, Massive Gaming Studio. Their CEO has announced that he's hugely bullish on the metaverse going into 2022. Um, Samsung has announced that all of their 2022 TV lines will in fact support NFTs. Really fascinating vote of confidence there. And then last but certainly not least, you had like on Christmas Day itself, OpenDAO stealth launching via airdrop. So like if you spend any amount of money on OpenSea, you were eligible to go pick up this OpenDAO SOS token. Now it has no affiliation with OpenSea, but this is their way of basically saying to the marketplace, like if you've already participated, you're early, we want you to continue to help us shape the narrative. So I love this. I think it's really big for the space, um, but at large... Basie continues to be the thing that is pushing us all forward. And I can't wait to see where the next chapter is. And for the record, I'm pretty sure that's Ape Token um, coming in the next three to four weeks, if if my memory serves. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Um, But you also had another conversation with a member of the Board API Club today. Uh, You want to tip the cap to anybody and uh, let them know who we're going to be hearing from on the show on Friday? So shout out Friday. Uh, we got
1: Alex uh, who is dropping, it's called the Illuminati NFT. And he's also working on a ton of really cool projects. One that's focusing on DAOs called Upstream. And it's it's really unique, all the things that they're laying out and, and dropping. So be looking out for that Friday. Um, I really found the conversation fascinating and it's, it's opened my eyes to like even seeing how we can incorporate DAOs into what we're doing here at Cryptocurrent.
0: Oh yeah. DAOs are going to be the future. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the future right now um, with our lightning round. So of course, there's a ton of news that happened, right? Th- there's been so much that breaks down not only in the NFT space, but across crypto since our last show. And we just want to run through it here with you, some of our top stories that we found. So the first of which... and. Rich, I kind of just want to flip back and forth on this, go popcorn style, but Uniswap announced the V3 deployment of their platform on Polygon, huge for scaling.
1: Yep, it's really big. Terra becomes the second biggest DeFi platform. I'm super bullish on Terra Luna. Uh, They're doing a lot of really awesome things.
0: Yep, and Terra's stablecoin has now officially become the first decentralized stablecoin to hit $10 billion in market cap. So that follows behind USDC, USDT, I believe Magic Internet money is still up there. I'm not sure if it's bigger than UST. So really big stuff in the Terra platform. Definitely. Circle successfully launched its USDC on
1: Avalanche. Uh, Shout out to Circle. Really cool Uh, company working on a lot of awesome uh, projects. And it's cool that they're starting to get USDC natively on a lot of these different layer one protocols. Because you don't have to use bridges anymore. You don't have to spend all this money typically on ETH to get into all these other ones. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars to just get your money on a platform. It's awesome. So shout out to yeah. Circle.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was listening to a call that you did with Circle and it still blows my mind that they're available on so many more platforms than I was even aware of. Yeah. Right? That's crazy to me. Like You officially have accessibility and you can just... Flow USDC into any number of these chains through their hub, basically. It's really, really cool. Uh, the last point I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about. So let's take an additional two or three seconds here to get into it before we jump into Crypto Decrypted. And that is that China has announced that they're launching the pilot through their um, central bank of a digital one wallet. What do you think about that? Because I know you're a big critic of everything that's going on over there. You know,
1: I think they are trying to slowly take over the world. And here's how they're going to do it. They're going to use the digital one. They're proving out the next way that people are going to utilize money, which is through cryptocurrency. And they're using it on their entire population and figuring out how to make all this stuff work over the next couple of years while the rest of the world is trying to catch up. So what happens when China one day says, Hey, country, um, if you want to keep trading with us, you got to start using the digital one. Here's your wallet. Here's how you set it up. Here's all of our use cases. We can train you how to do this. But this is the only way that you're going to be able to pay us and do whatever. You think people are going to just not do it? No, they're doing it. And so they're just... They are being very proactive about this. And again, if the US dollar were to ever not be the reserve currency, the digital the digital one's going to be it. And I think China's continuing to try to make their imprint in that space.
0: Um, and look, I'm not going to go too much further on it. But I think that... It's really interesting if you're a Chinese citizen, and um, it's something you need to know about if you're going to be enslaved by China into the future. So um, before we kick it into Crypto Decrypted, there is some breaking news. Breaking news. According to sources, Solana has officially suffered another DDoS attack and has put the platform down for quite a significant period of time, um, it's basically showing that the blockchain trilemma is still at play here. Um, you cannot have it all. You cannot have security, speed, scale. Um, and it just proves that they, they've they got some issues. The decentralization there is not going to um, help them anytime soon because they're very centralized in terms of ecosystems. So um, I certainly hope that they don't continue getting attacked, but it looks like they've got a target on them for right now. Um, any thoughts to add to that for the moment?
1: Yeah, bring on the attacks. It's forcing them to figure all this stuff out and make it better. And as much as it sucks right now in the short term, the quicker they can fix these bugs, figure out their, um, their vulnerabilities and patch them up, the better. I mean, ETH when it first came out had a lot of these challenges. A lot of these blockchains when they first came out that were worth going after suffered these challenges and they figured it out and we're still moving in the right direction. So again, it sucks. It's it doesn't build a ton of confidence in the short term. But if they address this and make sure that they're not vulnerable as they continue to grow and have even more market capitalization, it's going to give people more confidence. So uh again, not fun. Do better, Solana, do better short term. This this hurts you,
0: but you'll figure it out. Yeah, look, I think from an investment standpoint, you still got to keep in mind it's an ecosystem. It's going to do well. And this isn't a big deal. But if you're talking about it from the web three and the crypto side of things. I'm always going to be discouraged about a platform that is not decentralized. Yep. So that's kind of like the Web3 purist in me if you want to call me that, but that bugs me about them. I don't see the, I don't think they're going to decentralize in any significant way in the near future. I think that's just going to keep a target on their back though. So we'll see how it develops. Two other pieces of breaking news. Um, number one, in case you're a massive Brian Armstrong fan, the head of um, Coinbase. He officially just closed on his brand new LA home. I doubt he bought it in Bitcoin, but he did in fact spend 133 million dollars on it. So, big hat tip to you, Mr. Armstrong. You are very much so on the moon. Um, last but not least, my question for you is this: Is Doodles potentially the next Boré Yacht Club? Because as of about an hour and a half ago, Doodle number one zero eight five. Sold for 119 ETH. Must be nice. Must be real freaking nice. <laughs> and that, of course, is going to end it for us here on Buy, Seller If you enjoyed this segment, if there was news that we missed that you want us to cover on our upcoming episode on Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, let us know in the comments. We'll make sure we include it. Otherwise, we're going to continue to grind forward into our educational segment of every Tuesday show. That is Crypto Decrypted. Crypto Decrypted. So like we do every single Tuesday here on Cryptocurrent Live, we bring you an edition of Crypto Decrypted. And this week we are breaking down what is next for cryptocurrency in 2022 and in the year ahead. But the big lesson that we want to really break down for you here first is that you cannot look forward without first looking to the past. So we're going to take a second here to run back 2021 for you and let you know from our expert opinion what we saw from the past year. What things do we need to learn from as we look ahead? So Richard, talk to me a little bit about the Saylor effect because that was clearly one of the bigger narratives at play throughout 2021 as Michael Saylor um, and MicroStrategy at at large, dollar cost averaged their way into what is to this day one of the largest Bitcoin holdings in the world.
1: He basically proclaimed the future and said that, hey, Bitcoin's the future. I'm going to buy as much as I can and let the world catch up. And not only... Did he vocalize it? He did it and continues to dollar cost average buy and put it out there. And it, what it did is affirm for the first time this major institutional player who is saying, like, huh, this is a legitimate thing. Maybe the rest of the world should pay attention. And it started a conversation. It got people, networks, all the big networks, et cetera, starting to talk about should people start considering Bitcoin as a legitimized um, investment? Um, and it got the ball rolling. And because he's continuing to double down and, and, and whatnot, it's encouraging a lot of other people to really consider it as an opportunity and something that they should be starting to get diversified into. Um, so that's that's been his big mass effect that he's... I mean, I, I give him a lot of credit for uh, a lot of the big money that's starting to look into this space. He was definitely a pioneer with getting that.
0: Yeah. And look, I think that he's already made it known. He's looking at a million dollar Bitcoin in the 10, 20, 30 year horizon. Um, that we're looking on to now as we look into the 2020s and beyond. So it's really fascinating to me not to just say that like he bought a shitload of Bitcoin, and that's really cool. But to me, it's saying that, okay, this is now not only a vote of legitimization for the industry and for Bitcoin at large, but all of these other massive institutions have started buying Bitcoin. You had Tesla buying Bitcoin. You had some of the bigger banks starting to accumulate Bitcoin and Ethereum. That means that From here forward, a lot of the massive institutions and the governments that were against Bitcoin, they no longer can try and topple it because they would ultimately be damaging their own economies. So to me, I think that's a huge vote of confidence for Bitcoin going forward, something to be considering. The next big piece of last year's overall narrative was the inflation narrative. You couldn't miss it, right? You had the US um, government printing trillions of dollars and just injecting so much of their paper fake currency into our economy.
1: 40% of all of the money that
0: exists in the world was made in the last year. Yeah, think about that for a second. So as we go into 2022, there's an insane amount of cash out there. What ended up happening in 2021, we saw the beginning of massive shifts into crypto as a means of hedging against fiat currencies. That is going to continue into 2022 almost without a doubt. But we need to be mindful of that if we're going to start determining what comes next. So, beside that, you also had Coinbase IPOing. First ever crypto company to actually IPO. Massive, massive validation for the industry. Huge vote of confidence, not just for the industry, but for a platform like, like Coinbase that is innovating on a regular basis for us and for the world. What do you think in terms of what we can learn from the Coinbase IPO?
1: Coinbase got in early and they played the long game. I believe they started at either uh, 14 or 15. And they saw this as the play to be the onboarding ramp for most people into this space. And they knew that if they could just chip away, slowly get it, like first you can only get on and get Bitcoin, then Ethereum, then like four coins. And now, like, they have a ton that you can go and get on there. And they're, they're absolutely crushing it. And it's because they have the mindset of how do we make it very easy for users to onboard um, and be the, the trusted place to do it. And they basically put their stamp on that. They IPO'd and they're crushing it.
0: Yep. I think the thing that we have to be keeping in mind as we look forward though, is that accessibility is synonymous with Coinbase now. Because you have upwards of 75 different tokens right now that have been listed on Coinbase throughout the last year. Guess what? This is only the beginning. We're going to see more and more tokens be added, but that means that more than ever, you as an investor, you as a member of our crypto family here at the Cryptocurrent Crew, need to be doing your diligence. You need to be doing your research so that you're not just investing blindly into the next token that Coinbase launches in the hope and the dream of getting the Coinbase pump. You are not going to get it every single time, some of these coins eventually are going to just be seen as a big old dream that ends up turning into a big old bust. So keep that in mind. Really important to be um, keeping perspective. The last thing I'll say about it is this. With a company like Coinbase being so iconic in the space of this immediate moment in our history, as we're writing the history book of crypto, you need to always be staying on top of what they're doing. We heard about Coinbase lending last year. Coinbase learn. Coinbase earn. But you also have something forthcoming right now in Coinbase NFT, okay? That NFT platform is set to launch in the next quarter. So keep that in mind. It's going to be the absolute biggest possible gateway for mainstream America and the world to enter into the NFT world. That's coming. It's coming soon. Wall Street bets and meme coin moves. That's got to be the next thing we talk about here, right? When we're looking back at 2021. Wall Street bets had a massive, massive hold on our attention as we were in quarantine and in lockdowns. And basically it was them coming together to buy meme stocks. Well, that transitioned very quickly once you know our government decided to say, no, you're going to invest the way that we want you to invest. They then started shifting a lot of that attention over to meme coins. And that's why you saw, saw the meme coin rush mid-year. Anything to add on that before we carry forward?
1: Two meme coins in the crypto space that took off this year Dogecoin. I mean, I knew that that was going to be something when it was the Super Bowl last year and everyone, all my friends were asking me about crypto and do you have Dogecoin? I was like, goodness gracious, here we go. And then, of course, Shiba, which the greatest potential investment of all time, a guy that put in eight grand and turned it into a, what, a couple billion? Yeah, I think it was five. Yeah, meme coins. So must be nice. Must be nice.
0: I was going to say, that at some point is going to end up becoming like the actual catchphrase of our channel. must be nice. (laughs) But the thing to also remember is that like with these meme coins came all of the trolls of society, none bigger than Elon Musk, right? You had Elon Musk coming up and basically saying not only that he was all about crypto and that you could have early on in the year buy a Tesla with Bitcoin and that they bought a billion dollars of Bitcoin. But then he turned it on its head and said, we're not going to accept Bitcoin. And then I love Dogecoin, right? That was a massive catalyst. Remember, the trolls will always be out there. They're always going to be a catalyst. If you start seeing more and more of that happen in the news, you need to be aware of it and you need to be able to navigate it more carefully. The bigger story of 2021, in my opinion, was non-fungibles taking crypto mainstream. Okay, massive deal here. There were studies that were released later in the year last year that all indicated that non-fungible tokens not only are here, but they're here to stay. Why? Because more people are willing to enter the crypto space via NFTs than they are via traditional mechanisms like Bitcoin investing, Ethereum investing, all of the blue chip cryptos that we talk about on this channel frequently. They want NFTs because they can relate to them. They're seen as popular. They're seen as collectibles. So that to me is the biggest trend out of last year. And I think we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg on that. What do you think?
1: No, it's just like I said, it's the beginning. Uh, More and more people are paying attention. I remember there was a month where I was legitimately getting blown up by friends, friends of friends, family, not asking me about crypto, asking me about what is an NFT and how do I build one and how can I get one? Like... Yeah, I've had a lot of people have come and asked me about like crypto, but, like the moment when everyone was exploding my timeline and conversations with purely NFTs. I knew that this was that mainstream moment of market adoption of people t- really paying attention to crypto, which is again, going back to the Coinbase NFT that's coming out soon, why I think it's going to be really huge for a lot of people to be able to get into it. Because right, right now, that's still the biggest barrier to get into it. Is it. It's a pretty challenging thing to get into. You have to be a little bit tech savvy to to, to get into it. Coinbase is going to make it dead easy. Here's your wallet. Here's your address. Buy this thing. You're done.
0: Yep. And it only gets crazier from there because as this started to reach a fever pitch, you had folks like Facebook, or as they're now known, Meta, jumping in and saying, we're going to start building the metaverse. So metaverse starts being pushed right into the forefront of our cultural zeitgeist. It's an incredible moment when we're starting to see this all of a sudden thrown in front of us when all of us in the crypto space, we were theorizing that we were 5, 10, 15 years away from a metaverse. Now, it's in front of us. It's being accelerated. It could be here sooner than you actually think. To me, that all starts with crypto gaming and blockchain gaming. We're going to start to see that narrative develop here in the next year. We already saw a little bit of it it, at the end of this of this past year, but it's in that lesson that we can start looking ahead. Um, I want to push us forward real quick, Rich. And this is to a topic we've spoken about a ton here, and that is Ethereum gas getting out of hand. That happened at a number of different points throughout last year. You saw two hundred and fifty a thousand um, Gwei being hit throughout the year. That then caused all of these ecosystems to start being pushed to the forefront. You saw the ETH killer narrative emerge again. You saw all the scaling solutions, whether it's optimistic rollups, ZK rollups, which we're going to talk about more in a bit. There is a very, very big narrative you can pull out of that for 2022 and beyond. It says if Ethereum does not get its shit under control, the ETH killers will win and the scaling solutions will take over. So, What else do you learn from that massive lesson that was last year?
1: Just what you said, ETH has to get it figured out. Uh, Anywhere that you go to in the world and you say like, hey, I need 10 bucks. Okay, that'll be $100. Or, okay, that'll be 150 bucks. You, You would never go for that. But somehow crypto is allowing that to happen, aka the Ethereum ecosystem. So if ETH 2.0 needs to get this figured out. After, after using things like Solana, Polygon on top of Ethereum and other places, Avalanche, where things cost pennies to be able to do transactions, you don't have to make financial decisions in your head of how bad do I really want this token or coin or do I want to trade out? Like You really make financial decisions that you shouldn't be having to make to do simple transactions. And that's a crime.
0: Yeah. And I would almost entirely agree with you. The one thing that I will play to the counter as a lesson from all of this is that if you want to talk about true user, not user, sorry, um, degree of usability, right? The only way that ETH gas runs up, basis the current model of Ethereum, is if the network is being used. So that is to say, in the short term, the network is going to continue to be used and likely gas is going to suffer for that. And a lot of the ecosystem and the members who want to participate are going to suffer for that. But if Ethereum 2.0 comes along in 2022, the way that it's currently scheduled to, we could start to see that narrative balance out. Um, So just something to be thinking about. The last of our two points on 2021 in reflection is this idea of holiday stagnation. We thought really, really hard about this at the end of the year. And we thought to ourselves, is it going to be the blow off top that we all think is going to come that has traditionally come right in this window? Well, the answer to that question we found out was no. No. In fact, the market started trading sideways. People started getting bored and people started investing a crap load of money into Wonderland Time because they got bored, right? No, because Wonderland Time is a phenomenal project. And we will continue to be putting money into Wonderland time as long as the APY remains above a million. (laughs) So my question is, why did that holiday stagnation happen? Right? Richard, was it tax loss harvesting?
1: You know, it's a mixture of both. It's tax loss harvesting and people taking profits. You got to think about the bull cycle started like last October. So, and and it went hot until like April, then it flatlined, then it picked back up.
0: Uh, to go on to Just eating. for the record, you're, you're talking 2020, right? I'm talking Just 2020. Sure I'm talking
1: 2020. That. Bull cycle starts around October, goes strong until April of 2021. You see it correct. You see it pick back up, going all the way into Thanksgiving. And people are like, this might be a good time to take some profit. I don't blame them. So like, I think it's people taking profit, people sitting on cash, trying to see if like, hey, is this going to keep going down because then I'm going to buy back in or is it going to start going back up? And like, I think they're looking at this kind of the same thresholds a lot of other traders are looking at, like, if it goes a little above this level of support, it's probably going to keep going, so I should probably buy back in. If it goes below this level of of support or resistance, um, I'm going to just wait and see how far down it goes, and I'm buying as much as humanly possible because I'm sitting on cash.
0: Exactly. So it can be either of these two narratives. It can be both at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. The thing that you brought up there that's really interesting to me is that we do actually need to look back at 2020 a little bit further because there was actually a moment in 2020 that really sparked it right and that was defi summer so that was just before october of 2020 how that trend and that narrative really ramped up and sent us into what ended up being a 6 month absolute bull push so a lot of people are saying microcycles are a thing now that's where the microcycle theory originates it's that we're having these 2 to 3 month massive pushes in specific narratives and that has been what we've seen since So to me, I think that's a huge thing to consider into the future as well. But the last piece of this looking into the past um, to then look at the future is what projects we're building versus what projects we're talking a big game. Now, Richard, you said something really important to me at the beginning of this podcast, and that was that basically all of these projects that talked a big game, yeah, they succeeded in the short term, but realistically, they're going to fade into the black. So tell me a little bit more about your logic on that. And why we need to probably be considering the projects that we're building quietly. So,
1: projects that like either had a product or were hoping that like, hey, this this thing is coming. Trust me, look at this thing; it's really cool, and I had a really good marketing team and created this hype. People got behind it because there's money was flowing in, and, and the hype trains were coming. Just kind of like similar to what we saw in a 2017, uh, 2018 uh, bull cycle that happened. But again, if you look at a lot of these companies. Who have done pretty well they were the quiet ones at the, on the same token the companies that were quiet from 2018 19 20 and then like all of a sudden just surfaced to the the forefront right like your your solanas and 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 like Terra luna and some of these other ones that were just kind of like building 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 and then boom they're ready it's the quiet ones you have to look out for so even at the beginning of this year there have been a lot of projects that have been building since like 2019 2020 and have just been putting their head down, not really marketing, just trying to have a product. And so as we go into this next year, as they start to emerge, those are going to be the ones you probably want to pay more attention to as opposed to some of these companies who have launched either successfully, kind of did okay, whatever, but now like, they don't really... They're leaving up to, living up to what they said or they're, they're not. And so there's not a lot of hype behind them anymore. It's like, does your product work or did not? And if it doesn't, you might see those kind of fade into the dark. You might see those start uh, less... Uh, headline news and you start to see some of these other ones who have just been quiet and now are ready for their moment and they start come out to the forefront. So definitely keep an eye out on some of these projects that have been, these sleeping giants, like one for me um, is Cosmos. You you have not seen a whole lot of, 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 of speaking about Cosmos, but it is a sleeping giant about to emerge. You heard it here first.
0: Yep. And you're going to hear more about it in a second because That's exactly what we're getting into. And the big lesson here is if you're building quietly, do not do not ever think that you are to be underestimated. A lot of that's going to be coming up in the next year. So this brings us to staying ahead of the trend. You can only be ahead of the trend if you have learned from the mistakes and you've learned from what you have experienced. So we have to answer the question first, post-harvesting, where's the money flow now? Okay, we saw stagnation at the end of 2021. Now that we are into the new year, all that money that was te- technically sitting on the sidelines is moving. But where is it moving to? And Richard, I wonder if you're seeing anything that I'm not seeing because the one thing that I'm noticing most is that money is flowing very, very quickly into NFTs. Yep. So is that what you're seeing? Or are you seeing some I'm other things seeing
1: stuff? it go into three areas um gaming right now because it's the buzzword and it's what everyone's excited about and it's the big home run hit that like if you get in the right place you could turn your small amount of money into a large amount of money or a large amount of money into an ungodly amount of money that's number one number two is then nfts just the the, the flow that's in the attention that's coming back to this and people getting prepared for an easier onboard ramp through again the coinbase nft that's coming um Coinbase NFT platform, and then finally, I see it going back into DeFi. So there's a lot of like, people are trying to hedge in the crypto space, and they're trying to figure out like, okay, well, how do I diversify, protect my downside, and also be accumulating some some um, passive income while all this is happening? And they're looking at these different DeFi protocols. You know, you have some really good ones that are out there with high APYs, and people are really start like, if you look at some of these different APY plays that are out there, and look at just the last month, and just see how much. It's increased as far as how much money they have on there. Um, it's,
0: it's pretty pretty impressive. So that's where I'm kind of seeing the three flows of money. How about you? So again, that's the short term though, right? We're starting to see this happen now. That means that if we're going to follow micro cycle theory, I don't know how to speak English today, we're going to th- follow that thought process or we're going to say that it's going to go until mid-year. In either case, that's going to be a short-term narrative. To me, again, as I said, I believe that the NFT craze is coming back. I do believe that the money is flowing back in NFTs. I'm seeing it very consistently right now. In fact, we're right now under the impression that OpenSea is going to break its August high. You don't remember, OpenSea broke a trillion dollars in volume. Trillion dollars in volume. That's a T. Like, cannot say that enough. If they're going to beat those highs... That means it's going to be a massive, massive month. So be thinking about that. Um, I I happen to agree with you. I think that we're starting to see money trickle into gaming. But it goes back to the question we asked at the end of 2021's page when we're talking about, okay, what's talking a big game versus what's real? What's been developing, right? The big game that I keep hearing a ton about in terms of the fact that it is real, twofold, big time and alluvium. Those two games, they're material, they're there, they're triple A quality. Everything else, if you're just seeing a trailer, that's not proof. If you're seeing half of that stuff, you can go out and buy footage that has been like touched on and made into a trailer of what you envision this game to look like if you're on the creative team. But that does not mean it's proof. So I want to know that the team is developing a game, if it's actually going to bring a game to market this year or how far off they are and what novel things are doing if I'm going to put money into that. But that's a trend that is going to be here this year, almost undoubtedly. So on the next piece that you have to evaluate to stay ahead of the trend is this idea from the traditional finance world of oversold versus overbought. Richard, at the end of this past year, you probably remember two coins in particular that are on different sides of the coin here. You have Cardano and you have Matic, okay? Okay. End of this past year, Matic was very clearly already in oversold territory. What happened? All of a sudden, we started seeing it rip because the people had already taken their profits and they were ready to roll yep. it in and start riding it up because they knew the beginning of this year was going to start hot. So Matic is already starting to drive. Cardano, Cardano got smacked from like, what? I think it was September yep. on down and went from three bucks down to 120 at one yep. point. Right now, and I've heard a number of different experts say this, myself included, because I am an expert in Cardano in particular, it is so oversold, it's not even fair. Okay? At this stage of the game, that is at a hot buy point for me. I would absolutely be looking at it. But you have to look at the charts from that perspective. If it's oversold, it means that you likely have an opportunity upcoming. If you're seeing it's overbought and you hold a bag, right now might be the time to start taking profits, right? Yep. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, looking at things
1: that might be, um, overbought as you like, we're looking in the market. Um, I would venture to say one of the ones that I was looking at that got really hot towards the end of the year was, a uh, Kadena got all the way up to like $20, went on an absolute tear. And like, it was very clear, like, you know, it wasn't finding support where it was. it was hitting resistance. And so, um, as you've kind of seen, like it's start to, Cool off. I'm actually going to talk about it a little a little bit more later. Um, but the projects that you have seen that were overbought and are, are finding these opportunities, that's like you know this price seems a little high. It seems like it, it it might be a really good time to to take some profit and see where it goes. Um, you know, another one for me that I was looking at was Solana. Um, I thought that you know towards the end of the last year you know got up to 200 some dollars. Uh, again, it, it went on absolutely. You could have got it at the beginning of the year for around like ten bucks, you know, pretty pretty good twenty x. Like it's probably gonna have to settle down a little bit. It's probably a little bit overbought. Uh, take some profits, see where it's gonna land, and then get another bag because it's gonna keep going, man. I, I think Solana is another one that can continue to flourish.
0: Well, look, time will tell, but this is the guidance that we're giving you. Make sure that you're looking at the chart and determine: is it oversold? Is it overbought? Is it middling? Because oftentimes, these need to be things that guide your decisions. If they're middling for too long, it means that likely the attention is not on them enough. Or the attention is not coming back to them because they're just stagnating. So worth keeping in mind. Now, based on what we learned from last year, we can also start to see that there are certain narratives that are popping up and that are going to be present in the next year. We've identified five And we're not going to tell you exactly what to be looking at because we are not going to give you exact picks just yet. But these are the five things that we're starting to look at here and we're starting to consider as really legitimate narratives for 2022. First of which comes right in line with what we were talking about with Ethereum earlier. And that's efficient smart contract platforms. If ETH 2.0 hits it, great. Ethereum is going to continue to run and it's going to run through every wall in front of it until there are no walls left. And you think that we've talked about the Bitcoin flipping enough. That's gone if Ethereum 2.0 launches. That's my personal take on it. But there are other pl- big smart contract platforms out there that can succeed whether Ethereum runs or if it doesn't. So Richard, do you think that this is a 50% chance? Is this a 70% chance? Or is this a 100% chance that we're going to see efficient smart contract platforms run in the next year? I'm putting it
1: at 70. It's just, it's essential to the market that like, these keep evolving. So I'm putting it at 70.
0: I'm going to bet you right now it's at 90. Only reason I'm not putting it higher is because I think there's a 10% chance that this market is actually going down. You cannot definitively say... It is going up 100% or it's going down 100%. You can only say that there are chances of both. So to me, if we're going to run, I think that's going to be here. The next big narrative is NFTs, gaming, and the metaverse. So what do you think on this one? 90. We've said it enough. We've talked NFTs. We've talked gaming. We've talked about how meta is coming in. 90. You think 90%? 90 That's, that's it. This is going to be its year, I think. Look, I think that's super bullish. I don't disagree. I think that we've already gotten this narrative that it's going to happen. And if the powers that be have willed it, pretty inevitable. I mean, if Facebook is going to be, you know, flexing their financial muscle in the space, it's hard to imagine that it's not going to continue. Same thing with projects that are much larger. And I say projects, I mean, companies like Roblox, right? They're already a big centralized player in the metaverse space. So when I think about this one, I think it's a non sequitur. I think this one is happening even if the market goes down. Now, that's contradictory, right? You'd think if the markets can go down, Rich, like we're all screwed, right? It's all dropping to zero. I think that even if it does, people are still going to want a game. People are still going to want to collect stuff. People are still going to want to build in the metaverse. I think all of them are going to succeed, um, depending on how real the development is. Yeah. Next one's really interesting, right? Next one's airdrops. So airdrops for early users, we talked about it at the end of last year, how you have platforms like DYDX, Uniswap, um, even ENS, who airdrop tokens to early users of their platforms. This to me is a no-brainer as we started seeing things really ramp up at the end of last year with gas DAO, open Dow DAO, Dow Dow DAO, DAO. They're all dropping tokens. My question to you is not, is it going to happen? But which drops do you think are coming?
1: So of all the big time players in the space that are out there, let's call it the top 100 cryptos that are out there. If they haven't already done some sort of airdrop, I'd probably say 30% are going to do an airdrop. I don't think we see a majority of them doing airdrops. It's expensive. It's an expensive undertaking. It's a very logistical thing. It's awesome. It brings a lot of value. But like, it's a huge undertaking that I think most companies don't want to take on.
0: And see, I would would have to agree with you. I think that not all of them want to take it on. I think that because they know that decentralization is in front of them, they want to get in front of it now, I think we're going to see 50%. Okay. The reason I say that is because there are two that I think are gonna really pave the way. You have ZK Sync, which is going to be one of the leading um, providers for ZK rollups. And you have all but confirmation from the, from the group themselves, because their parent basically gave confirmation that it's going to come, is a MetaMask token. So to me, I say go make a deposit on ZK Sync, start a ZK Sync wallet they will be airdropping at some point this year, almost guaranteed. And MetaMask, make sure you've used their in-wallet exchange at least one time. Because that is probably going to be the thing that drives how they disperse their token. Just important to keep in mind. Now, Richard, we talked about the end of 2020, where we saw in September time, DeFi 1.0 and DeFi summer. The big trend that we have to contend is going to come this year because it hardly came along last year was DeFi 2.0. So that of course is DeFi on Terra, Avalanche, Cosmos, all the other networks, and then the evolution of DeFi on Ethereum. How likely do you think that is? 95. I think almost, if you're like
1: in crypto and you have like an ounce of like what DeFi is, like how you can participate, I I would venture to say you're going to try to do it at least in one capacity or another because there's no reason you shouldn't be trying. So I'm, I'm going with
0: 95%. Yeah, I think that you're probably spot on there. I'll play a little bit lower than you on that at about 85. Only because I think that there is a chance that if the market does falter, that DeFi is not going to garner any amount of attention. It's going to fall with the rest of it. I don't think it's one of those ones that can f- actually do something contradictory to the, what's the, the current market trend. Now, the last one actually does fall a lot in line with airdrops, right? A lot of these airdrop tokens are being used for governance. But more specifically, the trend of DAO governance, right? And DAOs can be used for a number of different things. So please do not hear what I'm not saying. DAO governance and utilizing that model to govern an organization is going to be a massive trend this year. I think that this is another trend that is pretty much not baked in. It's not like it's in the algorithm and the simulation is 100% going to push down governance forward, right? It's that whether we go up or we go down, this is a model that can't be ignored anymore. A lot of people are adopting it. Whether you're an NFT project like Illuminati, who you're going to hear more about in our Friday interview, please make sure you subscribe and are following so you can hear that if you're paying attention to that type of stuff and you're listening to these narratives, you're going to understand really quickly why DAO governance makes sense instead of just a couple of central figures making all the decisions. You don't need a market to go up or down to influence whether or not that's going to develop. It's part of the public discourse at this point. So my question to you is, on what are your thoughts on DAOs at large, but also how likely do you think it is that we start, we start to see this movement turn into a real narrative this year?
1: Because it's so new, And because a lot of people are still figuring out and are kind of keeping at an arm's distance, I'm going to put it at 40%. I think it's the future. Matter of fact, I'm pretty confident it is the future and it will start to pick up more steam. But as far as like a new concept goes, it's, I don't even know that it's a year old yet. Like it's, it's very new and it's a concept that a lot of people are taking a lot of keen interest in and will continue to develop. But, I don't necessarily think most new companies are going to like use it. They're not going to use it. They're going to just sit back and watch and see what's going on. And then eventually more people start taking on. I think DAOs are going to be a huge thing come 2023, 2024. I think it
0: needs another two, three years. So I'm going to go with, I said 40, I'm going to say with 30%. Okay. I'll give you this. I think that it's probably a 50. Um, You can literally coin flip that one. Now, I would pay attention to all of these narratives that we've already mentioned. And then ask yourself on top of that, okay, if a DAO is forming, does it touch one of those narratives? That's what's going to fluctuate that 50 up or down. That's my personal take on it. Because if it's NFT tied and it's a DAO that is tied to the success of an NFT platform or a project, that DAO has a high likelihood of succeeding if the trend in NFTs is going to pop off. If you're going to see a DAO that's tied to finance, if finance is a 75% going to happen versus a 50 then the dow itself may have more uh, momentum behind it if that number's higher so big things to be thinking about but the final message we want to leave you with is this in this space if you've learned anything from the last year it's that narratives shift fast so you need to be paying attention to how the market is attending to them if attention is waning away from NFTs, you need to be asking yourself, okay, what comes next? Where is the attention moving to now? Be aware of crypto Twitter. Be aware of Discord channels for alpha groups. All of these things exist and you need to be taking advantage of them. But if you really want to make sure that you're on top of where the attention is at in the space and what narratives are happening right now, there is nothing you can do better than subscribing to cryptocurrency and making sure that you follow our content here because we've got content every single day of the week that we're pumping out that is not just current, but it is exciting, it is accurate, and it is brought to you from the experts in this space. That is going to wrap up Crypto Decrypted for us this week. If you enjoyed this segment in our reflection on 2021 and our look into what's next in 2022, please let us know in the comments. Please make sure that you're following us on your favorite podcast platform so that you can see every single episode that we drop. Otherwise, Rich, I think there's only one thing left to do, and that's run into a little bit of Blockchain Bets. Blockchain Bets. So like we do every single Tuesday here on Cryptocurrent Live, we bring you Blockchain Bets, our segment where we talk about our top three picks in specific categories and groupings. So this week, we're bringing you our top picks for January. So we're each going to give you A pick in the blue chip category, which is anything from market cap number one down to 50. Mid caps ranging from market cap 50 to 300 and everything beyond that in the Gen Casino. So the way this is going to work is these are the picks that we believe have the most upside into the month ahead into January. So February 1st, we're going to look back on these picks and we're going to let you know not just who won, but who lost in a really embarrassing fashion. So Richard, please show us how you're going to lose in embarrassing fashion. Well,
1: never that because uh, the champion is definitely speaking. As the stats don't lie, uh, we're looking at the first one, which is polka dot. So, you want to talk about something, you know, overbought versus oversold? At one point dot was definitely overbought, and you saw a lot of profits were, that were taken on it at one point last year, early in the year. I think you could have got dot between like three and five dollars, and it got all the way up to thirty. So a nice little, you know, six x. Um, it's currently at a, it's pretty pretty much had a pretty big retracement, and they recently did a, a brand rebrand that I don't necessarily think is the best, but all the same, it's still like going in the right direction. They just launched their pair of chains, they have some really big and exciting things on the horizon and they're one of the ones that even though their price has been going up last year, they've been working. They have a lot in their pipeline. They have a lot of building that they've been doing, putting their head down and just getting after it. Um, I think this is, I think this is one to be looking out for. So I'm starting with polka dot.
0: Yeah, look, I will all the time give you a little bit of crap as we lead into these segments and um, at the very least just punch at you and tell you that I'm better. (laughs) But I can tell you that Polkadot, as we look into 2022, I think that's a narrative that's going to be absolutely immense at some point this year. Um, With parachains and everything else, they're going to take off. The real question is, are they going to take off this month? That is the question. That is the question. And and to me, I think there's going to be a blue chip that takes off in a much bigger way. And that's Terra Luna. Reason being, they've already proven early on this month by taking over when it comes to like this number two top DeFi ecosystem that they're forced to be reckoned with in DeFi 2.0. They have tons of TVL. They've got a lot of projects that are deploying on the platform. UST is becoming a force within DeFi in terms of having a decentralized stablecoin and an algorithmic one at that. I think that Terra Luna is not just set up. I think it's the sh- like the closest thing to a sure bet that we can see happen in De- DeFi 2.0. And I think DeFi 2.0 starts mid-month. I don't think it's going to take much longer than that because you've got all of these different earning reports coming in right around the 14th. Watch out for JP Morgan. Watch out for all of these other massive financial institutions. They're going to release their earnings. Second all that happens. You're going to see a ton of money made in the market. People are going to be taking profits on all their stocks and their traditional finance equities, you name it. They're going to be moving that money into DeFi. And I think Terra Luna is where they move it. So that's my pick for blue chip. What do you have in mid cap?
1: So for my mid cap that is going to dominate for this next month, we have Kadena. I talked about it earlier. So it was one that was um, overbought and I think it's slowly, slowly starting to drip into oversold territory. So it has found a lot of support around the $10 mark. And I think Kadena is one of the projects that is a sleeper as it is definitely a scaling solution for one of the other challenges that we talked about earlier this year, which is Ethereum. And um, I think that it has a chance to, you know, get back to um, retest some all-time highs, which is right around, around 2021 um, and $21 in this current month, which is you know, from where it currently is close to a 2X. So... My pick is going to be Kadena.
0: I don't think it's a bad one. In fact, you sniped it out from underneath me. Um, So as I like to say on this show, when you do that, you're a jerk. I wish you less profits. (laughs) My pick in the mid-cap for January is going to be ThorChain. Why ThorChain, you might be asking. That project's been hacked twice in 21. Well, guess what? It got hacked twice in 21, but the two is present here in 2022. I think ThorChain, it's a really shit reason, but the point is is that I think ThorChain as an interoperability play, as a platform that's going to help you move from one asset to another, is going to have a massive impact in this market. And it's really hard to believe, at least in my opinion, that after they launch their mainnet in the back half of the month, that you're not going to start to see a massive snowball start to form. This is a platform that has been through its vinegar strokes, so to speak. It has absolutely seen the worst. The best is ahead of this project, without a doubt, in 2022. That's my pick for mid-cap. Now, let's play the game that we love to play. It's where we basically spin the roulette wheel and pray to God. So, DJ and Casino, tell me about your pick, Invictus.
1: So, Invictus is my pick, and it is on top of Solana. So, what they're doing... The first, they have a really big APY right now. Um, and if you look at historicals, uh, I think it's around like 220 bucks, something like that. And at its all-time high last year, it was at $14,000. I mean, not $1,400. So, um, the other, you know, other $14,000. Um, so, you know, just a modest 7X from where it is now. Um, as we look up, and again, we've been talking about it, DeFi uh, 2.0 coming um, a lot of people, I think, are going to continue to start looking for diversification plays and and ways to um, hedge against everything that's going on, while still building on uh, the money that's out there. And I think, you know, it's a, it's at a solid uh, buy-in point. And then also, there's a lot of upside because if you stake it and you're able to accumulate while it's potentially raising in price, you're just you're you're letting your money make money. And so I think it's a it's a it's a solid place to to look at.
0: I like the pick. Um, In fact, and I'm going to make sure I own this for the rest of our audience, um, I told Richard he couldn't pick what he picked because he did not originally pick Invictus. He picked what we'll just refer to as the cousin of Invictus, Wonderland Time. Now, I need to make sure I put out a PSA here. The reason I told him not to pick this is because he's picked it so freaking many times because it's a great project. Now, I say that because I need to remind everybody on this show that you need to be looking at Wonderland Time right now because it today dipped to below 3K, okay? That is an insanely good price for a project that is going to likely have massive money moves upwards. Do some research, read into Wonderland time, and make sure that you're educated before you jump in. It's a project that's going to be here for quite a while to come, I'm sure. My pick. (laughs) You're going to look at this and you're going to think, man. What a D-Gen play. Richard, I have to ask you, are you a fan of Snoop Dogg? I am a fan of Snoop Dogg. I don't know anybody in their right mind who dislikes Snoop D-O-double-G. Right? Everybody loves him. And I'll tell you what, everybody in the NFT space loves him. Why? Because he revealed about midway through the year last year that he is in fact none other than the NFT magnate the giant in the space, Cosmo de' Medici. Lit started as basically this movement. It said, we want to spark the degenescence, right? I never thought I'd say that word. I never thought they would be bridging degen status in the renaissance, but guess what? That's what they're here to do. They want to spark the decentralized creative movement. They want to not only incentivize the artists who are going to bring it about, but they want to start to create a massive alpha group, a DAO, around this concept and to give people the opportunity to see the players that are going to be creating and bringing this next creative wave firsthand. That is LIT. The token, LIT as well, this little fiery coin that you see on screen if you're joining us on YouTube, is basically their mechanism for you to be a part of the massive alpha group that they've started. And there are a ton of massive players in it that have proven themselves in NFTs And you can research each and every one of those people because in the Discord server, all of them are doxxed. Every single one of them is out there. Now, what makes this really interesting, they decided in order to make sure that they did not hold all the tokens between the team members, they were going to send half of the overall supply to a person that basically was not going to Dump on the ecosystem because of their own ethos and how they believe in the NFT ecosystem. They gave it all to Cosmo de Medici, Snoop Dogg himself. Okay, you may be thinking to yourself that is batshit insane. It's because it is. But if anybody is going to want to see the degeneration actually happen in the way that they currently have theorized it and they've built it out, there's going to be nobody other than Cosmo de Medici that wants to see that happen. So I'm betting big. In the month of January on lit, because I think NFTs are gonna run. And when they do, lit is going to absolutely fire up the market. Yes. A lot of these dad (laughs) jokes are here. We're here to say all of the dad jokes in 2022. This is the year of the dad joke for Steve. You're on it, bro. It's gonna get weird. (laughs) Oh my God, it's gonna be great. But hey, that's what we do here. We have fun and we wrap up blockchain bets on a big, bold note. So again, if this is your first Blockchain Bets, do us a favor, make sure you're following the show. If you liked any of our picks, let us know in the comments below. If you didn't like our picks and you think that Lit is the dumbest project in the world, please come at me on Twitter. I don't want these comments on YouTube. I want to take this on with you head on. We can have this out. But that's going to wrap up Blockchain Bets for us this week. Richard, do me a favor. Let the people know who you had on the show on Monday because I really think they need to know about it.
1: Man, there have been so many, so, 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 so many dope people that we've had on the show, but this has probably been one of the coolest slash funnest interviews that I've done uh, in a minute. And we had um, Peter Hurley, um, who is like a world-renowned photographer who has like his own like photography like group uh, that he like teaches people to do photography and other stuff like that. But he started or this utility of, it's called Shebangers. Um, it's, uh, it's an NFT project where basically by owning some, you then have the ability to like get all these different perks and other stuff like this. And it's like, it was just, he's just a cool dude. It was a fun conversation. So I'd, I'd go check it out just for that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And look, this guy literally calls himself the mayor of he Shebangersville. Does. So, Owns it. Leave that for what it is. Look, the dude owns it. That's for sure. Um, Shebangersville is legit. But I got to tell you, I'm really, really excited for our interview that we have coming up on Friday with none other than Alex Taub, who is the head of Illuminati NFT, but also the co-founder of Upstream, which is basically packaging itself as a DAO as a service. Really novel concepts in both. Basically, Illuminati NFT is supposed to be painting itself as... The, if you've ever heard of Mischief, that's like that little offshot project that like does a whole bunch of little side projects and stuff and super, super cryptic, that's what Illuminati is trying to do in some way. But you're going to be able to hear it first from Alex Taub on Friday's show. Great one ahead for that. And that's coming right before their Illuminati NFT reveal happens. So you'll be able to see maybe a little bit of the art live. I don't know if you got a chance to get into that with him, but you'll find out on Friday. That's for sure. Um, Otherwise, Richard, any final notes for our audience before we call this one a day?
1: Hope y'all enjoyed the content. We know we do this longer form. We usually go chop it up for you. For people who are listening on the podcast, check us out on YouTube. Uh, Come see our beautiful faces. I know you hear the voices all the time. Come put a face to a name. And if you enjoy our stuff, make sure you go check it out. Leave us some comments, uh, especially if you're listening to this on our podcast. Please leave us a nice review online. Those go a really long way. And hope you're excited for a great year in crypto land because there's going to be a lot of fun stuff. It's going to be a roller coaster. I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Um, I think the highs are going to be really high and the lows are going to be like gut punching, but we're going to get through it together.
0: Oh, yeah. And hopefully, if you stick here with us, stay learning, make sure that you're on top of the topics like we are. You will be able to make it out of this a little bit more profitable than you would have otherwise been But for that, you got to join us on Thursday's show at 7pm Eastern and then come back the following week on Tuesday, same time, 7pm Eastern, where we will be here to paint it all for you over again. That's been it for us here at Cryptocurrent Live. We'll see you next time. Stay Cryptocurrent.